You are now listening to Feeding Off Each Other. What did you get up to today? Your bike is uh, oh, filthy. I'm, uh, I'm stoked. I was very productive. I went to the bank. I did my work at home. Went to the bank. Met up with a buddy to do a lap on Seymour. On the only trials. And then I found some Grand Chalet. You know what Grand Chalet is? Oh, like spices? No, Grand Chalet is like a the, type like of... Um, deli? Deli meat? Kinda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Is Sausage? That you, is, that you, is that you use for carbonara? Yeah, it's yeah, It's like yeah. the true way. Oh. But you can find that in Squamish. Actually, you can. But I didn't know that until... So I bought it in... I don't speak Italian. <laughs> <laughs> you can't find it in Squamish? Actually, I sent a picture to one of my buddies because we had been chatting about it, and he yeah. just texts back with a picture of one that he bought in Squamish. So you can get it. There's a new butcher in Squamish. They don't have it, but they can order it for you. So you and your friend were sending each other pictures of your sausages? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <It's good>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this piece of meat was bigger than mine. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, I have a couple of friends who moved to Squamish, and uh, it's been maybe eight months or so that they've lived there. And they said all the food in Squamish is medium. And I was surprised, because I thought there's some good no, spots there. there's some no, fire no, no, spots no, no, in Squamish. No. Disagree? No, I disagree. Yeah, no, it's shit. Okay. Yeah. Where, where are some good spots? Like when I go out, I go to Whistler. Oh. Oh, you think it is shit? Yeah, it's not, it's not good. No. Oh, oh you, so you agree. Okay. No. Oh. I like this one on the podcast because, you know, local business owner, but there is two. There's one option that's supposed to be like the fanciest place in Squamish. It doesn't come close to what you get in Whistler for the same price. Crazy. Like, sorry. Like, is that the deal? You know, like Whistler's got like deals. Uh, oh, yeah. In the spring and in the fall. And uh, yeah, Squamish doesn't come close to compete. Mm, that flip side burger in Squamish, I think, is pretty good. It's not very uh, gourmet, side. I would say, but hey, the deep the mac fried and mac cheese. and cheese balls. <laughs> Actually, never been. It's oh, really? Good. It's yeah. good. That's yeah, pretty good. And deep fried, like, avocado or something. Yeah. Avocado balls? Mm. Yeah, those are good. What? That's, I'm trying to think. And then, what about Sunny Chiba's? Come on, that's gourmet. I have been, when it used to be called Matt. Mike's 99. Right, mm-hmm. Mike's 99, yeah. Yeah, I've been a couple of times. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's good. What was it? A, uh, is it A-frame? A-frame? A-frame, yeah. Yeah, that's good. A- and now there's Tacofino. Oh, is there a Tacofino mm-hmm. in Squamish? Yeah. But I haven't been yet. Mm. Big scoop. I didn't yeah. know that. There's Mex- been Mexican in West. Yeah, there's an Spanish. ongoing debate about this place uh, <laughs> on the pod. The Tacofino. Is it Mexican food or is it beach-inspired Mexican food? Is that the... Is that the the debate? I think that was what Oh, they it's it. uh it's American. Okay, it's basically American Mexican. Yeah. So it's not Mexican? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I lose again. That's yet to find someone. <laughs> no. Like you find you find burritos only in the north of Mexico at the border with the US. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's I find it yummy. And I'll it, eat it regardless of whatever the heck it is. <sighs> Should we do the intro? Let's do the intro. Yeah, jeez. Well, you want me to do the whole <laughs> intro? I mean, you did the breath thing where you go. <gasps> it sounded like you're about to drop in. I'm dropping in. Welcome to Feeding Off Each Other, a weekly podcast where we feed off the talent, humor, knowledge, and awesome stories of our guests and each other. <laughs> I almost said I'm Matt Dennison. <laughs> I took too many breaths in rapid succession. I'm Jason Lucas, and I'm joined by uh, Matt Sipping Tea Dennison. Clever. And Dave Spills the Tea Wiggins. Oh. Go off. 
And today, we are joined by one very special guest. I'm just going to get right into it. Bonjour. Today's guest hails from France, but has landed right here in the sea to sky area of British Columbia. To say this person is incroyable on a bike would be an understatement. For years now, they have been blessing our eyeballs with hours and hours of insane shredding from the early days sending huge lines at the Whistler Bike Park to now running multiple YouTube channels and other social media feeds with hundreds of thousands of followers and millions and millions of views. Perhaps we, billions. Perhaps billions. I would probably say billions now hundreds of millions we are so stoked to finally have this person on our podcast and feed off them please give a big bienvenue to our guest today remy metallier bienvenue thank you take a breath Jason. take a breath you about to pass out over there or what <laughs> i got worms sounded like ai jason <laughs> <sighs> thanks for coming Jeez. Yeah, thanks for having me you braved the sea to sky highway it's a rainy day the road is sketchy it was fine today, but definitely not super comfortable on that highway. Yeah. It's um, it's actually pretty gnarly. When you it think that's the only way to go from like Whistler to Vancouver, basically. Yeah, it's a super gnarly road. I used to commute on it. And uh, I think I've told this story on the pod. I've seen multiple like savage car accidents yeah. and bodies. And yeah, I think I brought it up last time. I was like, Jason, did you see some guy's arm in the middle of the highway? Like a motorcycle I see, accident? I did see that. Um, yeah, there was a like, driving to work one morning. There was a guy who crashed his motorbike into a car and his body literally exploded. Ugh. Yeah. It's, it's dangerous. Yeah. I mean, that was a dark start. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, it's extreme. It's an extreme don't podcast. Yeah. Today's a particularly extreme podcast. This is an extreme podcast. Remy, what has the last few years been like uh, climbing the, the, the social media ladder to royalty? <laughs> That's been good. Um, definitely a lot of work, as you know. Um, but no, it's been it's been really rewarding. Like I think I'm, I, I've been really enjoying it. Um, that's allowed me to create like really good relationship with partners, and you know they are very important to what I do because without them, I would simply not be. Like I would not have a, a job, a career. I would not be doing that. So. I feel like you kind of came up in the mountain bike pro world kind of at that perfect time almost when, you know, you obviously do a lot of mind-blowing things on bikes, but it wasn't always the easiest to get it seen by a lot of people because we had limited, you know, we didn't have like crazy Instagram, TikTok, YouTube shorts, like this sort of thing to get to the, the masses, I would say. And I feel like you had that kind of transition from the sick edits on pink bike and doing very well that way but then having like youtube as a platform to kind of showcase that in a more yeah that's true i constant think constant way i guess yeah yeah i think timing was definitely good at the same time though i mean i think for everybody like now with an iphone and a gopro you can create cool stuff so if what you do is good it's gonna most likely be seen so i think it just opens the door to like more and more people to compete on like uh and even field was before, like, you know, Wet Simmons, Red TP, all these guys, you had to know a filmer that was doing, or a photographer that was doing, like, you know, edits or covers for magazine. And that was your way of entry. Obviously, you had to be very good and you had to be, like, great at it. Mm -hmm. But you didn't have, I don't think writers were able to compete against each other as much. 
just because some guys in you know the middle of you know whatever country that didn't have access to a filmer or photographer would not be able to showcase his talents. Yeah, I Wh- think that's whereas true. now is you know with a GoPro, I mean you see examples all over the world, right? Where people kind of regardless where they are, if they do cool stuff, it gets seen. Whereas before it wasn't the case. Well, it's interesting because like we just had uh, Liam Milani on Milani. God, I can't do it. Milani. Milani, um, who's a mountain bike filmmaker, and he strays towards the like take a long time to do something but make it look as good as possible. Um, which in today's world isn't like uh, not right or wrong, but you know, like to get big view numbers, a lot of the time it's you can film a clip theoretically in a couple minutes if you hit a big scary feature and you land it that's like 30 seconds of time right and you can post it up almost raw like how do you think it is now getting noticed versus when you were coming up more as uh, as a pro rider like how do these new shredders and there's a lot of them how do they get their names out there i mean i think the writing still is for me is a key factor like when i notice someone Obviously, I appreciate like great filming, and you know someone's got a good eye, um, and that's the work between the writer and the and the filmer. Um, even if it's an iPhone clip, like so, some people are definitely much better than others at capturing iPhone clips. Um, but it's it's really for me, it's really the writing. Like you, you can see right away, regardless of how well the video is shot, how good is the writer. And to me, for a shredder to be recognized in the industry as a shredder, it's it's all about the writing. Where do you stand in this like influencer versus pro rider thing? Because I feel like influencers, creators, YouTubers, they're taking a lot of heat as time goes on this year, especially the whole Bumblegate thing. And there's a <laughs> lot of hate. I saw a hateful message today on our Instagram story and sm- smashing influencers. Did you guys see it? Yeah. The one yeah. you sent to us? It was, I don't know if I sent it. It was against our um, attacking our uh, suspension build video, mm-hmm. kind of trashing influencers. We tried our best out. Anyways, where do you stand? Because you are, um, you're a creator, you're doing stuff yourself, but you're also doing stuff with uh, other photographers, videographers, and you're very much a pro rider. Like you must take heat as an influencer as much as you are a pro rider. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, like people always have, have something to say. I like, I personally think it's great to have, you know, people coming into the industry and showing our sport to more people regardless of their level. I'm always stuck to see someone, you know, riding down the trail with a GoPro, even if they even if they go slow, like people are stuck, they want to show their friend. I think it's great. And if anything in a selfish way, I think then you can compare those footage to the one from pro riders. And then you can obviously see a difference, you know, with speed and, and you know line choice and how it flows. Um but I think everybody should, you know, be completely free to Film their stuff, share it with friends. Like I like to see people stuck on writing and wanted to share the passion with with everyone. So, and then in terms of heat, like I mean, I have a few people obviously upset because I film on trails and you know I make a living from sponsors and from riding those trails and you know filming content. But been the same forever when. You know, you had movies back in the day and photographers and, you know, it's 
it's exactly the same. So I've seen you personally attacked uh, in like meme accounts where your picture is there and they're they're calling you out and it's not so broad. It's very much attacking Remy. It seems kind of unfair because you're f- yeah you're. I mean, I think one of the reasons it's been done is just people know I've have a wider followings than than most other writers, so then it's a good way to you know get more attention for that meme page. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of like maybe the uh, burden of success if you don't have mm-hmm. haters. It's how you're not killing it, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I don't have too many. Well, that's good. That's good. Oh, and thanks for taking part in our uh, video that uh, is released now. Oh, is it? I, I was actually wondering. In the fu- it's the future, okay. right? <laughs> uh, yeah, YouTubers read mean comments. Dave did most of the searching, hunting for mean comments. So we, we, mm-hmm. we gathered 40 mountain bike creators in the community. We s- dug deep to find their, their comments, and then we sent them out in the mail. They read them uh, for the first time on camera, and then we pieced it all together. It's turned out really funny. How was it, Dave, to find mean comments towards Remy. It was hard. I no offense to you, but I didn't understand most of them. It's totally fine. A lot of them w- one of them I What? One of them I gave you was actually translated from Russian. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like something about Polish feet or something like that. Well I was I was actually wondering what you were gonna find because obviously I read the comments. Yeah. And like I never did it if there's something negative. I usually comment back Mm. Uh, you know, something with a bit of sarcasm. Sometimes, obviously, I want to be mean, but uh, I'm like, I'd rather be funny. And and you can, you, I mean, you know, someone that takes the time to write you a negative comment on, on the internet that's never met you, obviously, you can imagine, you know, the type of sad life they would have, but... <laughs> They look something like uh, us, maybe, perhaps. Oh, you're just pointing at me. <laughs> no, yeah, no. This, this, this region. The three dudes wearing I, the same hat. I, uh, I found it really, I, I found myself getting enraged when um, one of the YouTubers' comments were all positive. Like, I w- I'd be scrolling and it would be like, <laughs> it would start off wow. maybe something that seemed like it could be negative. It'd be like, oh my God, you are so sick. <laughs> I had the best time. And I'm like, fuck you, fuck you. I was getting so angry. And then anytime I found a mean comment, I was so excited. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yours were overwhelmingly positive. So oh, thank you. It was hard to find mean comments for a number of people. Mm-hmm. Cam was another person that was very hard. Oh yeah, very mm-hmm. difficult. Mm-hmm. He was bummed because he wanted meaner comments. He was sad when they were when they were over. I but thought the ones I found were pretty mean, actually. Yeah, there was. Yeah, one yeah. was one that it, it didn't make the cut was something like uh, brags about his awesome family, then abandons said family to go film this stupid ad, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, there's some savage people out there. Yeah. Uh, but you weren't the only one who kind of maybe was confused with the comments. It was interesting. We received 40 submissions. Some people took it really lightly and make jokes and really just happy throughout it. Some people, it seemed like we triggered some like <laughs> oh, wow. deep-rooted trauma and they were like, this is awful. You know, this is, this is why, you know. So I, look, I, I look forward to see that even more now. Yeah, there's a real spectrum. Yeah. It was fun though. Thanks for thanks for taking part of it. And <laughs> nice. I guess that's officially the first time we've ever worked on something. We did yeah. a big collab. <laughs> yeah, big collab. <laughs> Huge collab. So uh yeah, we were talking about how we first came across your name. Definitely would have been those Whistler Bike Park videos for me. Mm-hmm. That was that was your I think your that's rise a, for that's me. the years that your video 
Irony Ride Park came out. Oh. I am pretty sure. What, what, yeah, what do you say? That's when you learned about us? 2013? No, I knew, I knew about you before, especially since I spent two months in Vancouver. Um, but I think uh, people attached me a lot to your video, Irony Ride Park. Oh. Because that was the year that I spent the entire year riding the bike park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the entire five months. Riding you were the video. Day. I was the video. Yeah. <laughs> 30 laps in a day, my hands are locked this way. I only ride park. Basically, yeah. yeah I, did a, I did an average of, uh, I think, 11 laps a day. Jesus 10 laps Christ. A day. My hmm? hands hurt. Just thinking. How many? 10 or 11 laps a day. Average. Average, okay. And I... when, you, when you know that the Garbanzo lap are two and a half times longer than feet. Oh, yeah. So you can... You need your own video. I I Remy Ride Park, <laughs> and, and that's when and that's when Sram did a video with uh, Oh Adam Adam Bellinger yeah, uh, for yeah, doing yeah. a million a vertical mi- feet, but I did like one point three million or something like this. Ah, the unsung hero. Yeah. Was, mm. So you probably found a lot of those lines that you filmed originally, like doing those laps, right? You probably ride in the same trails over and over. So like. Actually, after this podcast, I'm gonna go for dinner with um, with my buddy Silva, which is the only person I knew in Canada when I came to Canada, mm. and probably the reason why I came to Canada is, you know, like moving to a new country is scary. Yeah, yeah, scary, sure. intimidating, um, and I don't know if I would have done it without knowing Silva. Mm. So Silva lives right around the corner, and when I first came to to Whistler. He showed me around and he was like, okay, I'm going to show you all the cool lines. Mm. So this is that motion pre-drop. Like it was in this video. This is no joke triple. Like so far, this many people do it. This is the quad that um, Brandon Ferklo did in Follow Me. This is, you know, so he showed me all those lines. And it was kind of like, if you can do that, then you're a solid rider. So mm. like on the first day, so I was like, okay, I'm going to go and do those lines. So I can kind of like have an objective of what it feels like to be a pro. Like how you should be riding. If you want to be a pro or if you want to come close to a pro level, you need to be able to do those lines. So that's how everything started for me. And then I guess there became a point where you smashed every goal, you gapped all the gaps, and then you had to invent your own. Yeah. that's Because you ran out. Yeah. And then, and then I was like, you know, oh, actually, I think I can do that. Asked to run and no one's done it. So I was like, well, then I can create my own, my own line. And that's, you know, still what I try to do now. Come up with like new lines and new stuff that other people haven't done. So was that a trilogy of videos? The Whistler Bike Park? What, what was the title? What was the name again? Of like Chris Ritchie chose the name. I think the first one was... Um, Chris Ritchie, the uh, filmer. Filmer, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, is like without him. I would never have done this video. Um, so I've done one video with Chris Ritchie and one video with Vin mm. Um That was on the first year. I think they were called Remy Metaille Destroys the Whistler Bike Park. Yeah, something like right. that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And wasn't there one like burns it, not burns it to the ground, but like. Yeah. Well, so it was always like Remy Metaille something Whistler Bike Park. Yeah. So it was like attacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tears, destroys. Assaults, mm. like 
you know, you name it. <laughs> yeah, and you lit Bombs. something on fire and it was, I don't know if it was the first yeah, one. Yeah, that's what I was thinking one. of. It was like a, that was the second one. Okay. That was 2014, so okay. second season. But it was a, yeah, an aggressive statement you were making there, you know, and destroying the bike park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, actually that video was played by the Whistler Bike Park. And that's I'm pretty nice. sure there was a fire ban. Oh, oh which, Jesus. <laughs> which at the time I didn't even know what was a fire ban. Wait, hold on. But you had your camel back uh, nearby, right? So you could <laughs> and I, actually at that time, just when we filmed that, someone crashed like super severely on on uh, Krapavolit because that's where we were. And I remember like, you know, when you can hear someone like coming through the jumps and like, oh, yeah. screaming. <laughs> oh, so fir first jump, you know, I so uh, I tell Chris, I was like, oh, wait a second, someone's coming because obviously we didn't want anyone on the shot. And the first jump, second jump, and you see the, I believe it's the third jump, which is the first one of the whip off. And I see him coming, and as soon as he takes off, like I see him going over the bar, and I think I dropped, I dropped everything and start running while the guy was still in the air. Oh, he knew. And it, it was a gnarly thing, uh, like, like at first. Oh, geez, and he is knocked out or broke broke a bunch of stuff, but uh, somehow it was fine. Yeah. Wow, like no, no permanent, no permanent, yeah. yeah. Which was, I, I thought it was, I thought it was dead. When I came to him, like, there's not even a breathing sound, no noise. Like, the neck was sideways. Was, yeah. Well, I think the first, I mean, this we're getting dark again, guys. Sorry, <laughs> Whistler Bike Park. We, uh, the first death I remember was a crab apple hits death. And I believe, like, it was, like, years and years and yeah, years yeah. ago. Like, oh, wow. I think you can find, like, it in a newspaper or something like that if you Google it. It was, like, the early days of the bike park. But... If I'm not mistaken, I think it might be that third jump. If you stand on the jump, then walk into the forest to the right, there's a plaque on mm -hmm. a tree that says, you know, in loving memory of whoever, you know, okay. whoever it was. Yeah, yeah so, it's a I serious mean, trail. Sadly, it happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I always find filming in the bike park very gnarly, not because of the filming necessarily, but it's the bystanders. It's, the stuff, see, it's yeah. the stuff you see. Like, if you're on A-line for an yeah. hour, it's maybe the most terrifying hour of your life, just like... How many close calls there are, I, time like, after time. Rompage, watching Rompage is way less scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's there's a lot of, yeah, it's like cringeworthy in the most uncomfortable way possible because you just you know something's gonna go down. It almost feels like a Schrodinger's cat thing where you're like, it's not gonna happen unless you stand there and watch it because you're mm. there. Someone's gonna eat it. Do you remember? You know? It was I think Whistler opening weekend. It was the year they took down the GLC drop and they put in that new GLC jump at the very bottom of the hill. Yes, yes. And uh, that we was cows. Yes, yeah. It was it was a gnarly jump. It's big, and um, we were filming for a Mahal and my dude video, and we were filming Reese Wallace, and Reese had texted us and said, "I want to front flip that jump," and we're like, "Oh, okay. Well, we can point a camera at that. That's super gnarly." And uh, so we're there setting up the camera. And we're like, man, this is gonna be a gnarly move. Like, I don't know if Reese can land this. Like, blah, blah, blah. we don't. We knew Reese, but not like super well. And uh, as we're like, as he's getting ready to drop in, the guy comes up over the jump. Same what you're doing. Like, nosedive right away. Body coming off of bike, and just like the gnarliest scream you've ever heard. <laughs> and we're like, oh no, he's gonna die. And he like just like splats on the ground bike on the ground and he had a concussion right away definitely concussed. He, he was asking all the questions over and over again he had a broken arm or something yeah he like broke that. his arm yeah. and it was so fucking gnarly it's like i guess we got to film reese doing this front flip now like yeah. how do you how do you see that and then you're like well i guess i gotta go shred for my sick edit now <laughs> uh it's definitely hard. yeah 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 i 
I think I did pretty well with it, but uh, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, if I see someone random getting hurt and, you know, they're not, it, it's someone that doesn't have like a good skill level that just makes a mistake on the jump. That's one thing. But then if it's seeing someone that's a really good rider, knows what they're doing and that make just a slight mistake, you know, yeah, getting hurt, then you're like, well, that's, that's even more relatable to me. Because whenever I do something, it's, it's usually something that I feel extremely confident I can do perfectly, otherwise I will not do it. But if it's another pro rider, I know that they're also extremely confident that they can do it perfectly, otherwise they will not do it. But, you know, accident happens. Those Whistler Bike Park videos, were they, do you consider them your breakout into yes. the, yeah? Yeah, for sure. Uh, working with Chris, uh, when I heard, you were the talk of the town. And I heard that there was a battle between you and Chris between creative ownership and like <laughs> he wanted to get this shot, but you were telling him where to go. And I, I you oh, know, for sure. yeah, yeah. and I, I took it as, well, you're the pro rider. You're doing things that have never been done. So, you know, the angles, you know, what makes it look big. But as the filmer, me like being a filmer, I know that, you know, we want to get the pretty shot and all oh, the sky looks really nice here. And, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, hundred <laughs> percent. Like I, I, I mean, and still that's not my strength. Um, definitely a bit of a micromanager when it comes to that. At the same time, though, it's because I was taking risk. And now, like, you know, I manage everything by myself. Like, I also am in a position with filmer. Most of the time, I contract the filmer, even though if it's on behalf of a brand. Technically, I'm the boss. Like, the brand trusts me based on what I've done in the past. So, like, for example, videos that I've done with Camelback over the years. I, the only thing that Camelback asked me is, can you do a video? We discuss which product. It's often the vest that I, that I wear like most of the time. And the only conversation we have is like, is that cool if I do a drone video? I'm like, perfect. Because you know, you can see the backpack really well and that's what I enjoy doing. That's the only kind of direction I have from Camelback. So then everything else is on me to produce something that's cool. And if I want to do a shredit and if it's going to be really based on the riding, I want to make sure that the shots are going to highlight the riding and not, you know, the pretty flower or the pretty sky. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I want both and I definitely want input from the filmer. But if I'm going to be taking many risks and sometimes, you know, I do a jump, I'm like, I'm just going to do it the least amount of time. Then I end up doing 15 times because... <laughs> you know, I'm trying to, I'm like, okay, it's not that bad. I can do it better and better. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely super picky. And I think with Chris, you know, we were both like starting. He was starting his career as a filmer. I mean, I was starting as a pro biker. But I was like, some of the jumps, I was like, it has to look cool. Like, I don't want a shot that's going to be like artsy or where you pull focus and where you might miss it. Let's play it safe because I might only do it once. Well, it's like a double-edged sword. It's, you know, it's great to have someone who's confident and knows what they want. Sometimes you're shooting with an athlete who they're just there, whatever, screw it off, smoking weed or something. They're like, yeah, whatever. Let me know. You good? You know, they don't know. They don't have any creative direction. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice that you have some sort of vision well, with it, what it, you're it, creating. Yeah, it's got, it's got both. Because I, like, at the end of the day, like, I work with the partners. And when there's a brand behind that's paying, I know what they like. And, you know, I've worked with them. So I know their expectation. And the reason why they 
pay me and want to do a video with me is because they've seen what I've done in the past. So I will not want something that's too far of that. But then, you know, if I do a video and it's not like really focused on the writing, I really appreciate when I'm with a filmer that, you know, super creative and comes up with like really cool idea and the final product looks awesome. But usually I think I'm very knowledgeable when it comes to how the best shows are writing. Yeah. Well, I feel like also with those Whistler videos, what, what years was that? 2016? Uh, First one was 2013 and I've done 13? them okay. all Jeez. the way to 2018. Okay. I feel like it was in a period when uh, there was a lot of beautiful edits coming out. You know, slow-mo. Slow-mo, sunsets. <laughs> <laughs> and your writing just speaks for itself, right? And it was just no, all killer, no filler, right? Which some people love. And like, I feel like the pendulum swings sometimes where people want to, they want exactly that. They just want hit, 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 gap, gap, gap. And they just want to, you know, they want to feel exhilarated from the writing. And then sometimes it swings and they want to see the like slowly paced, meaningful thing with some story and, you know. Well, the, the reason why I've done that is because for my career, that was what was going to be the most beneficial. It's like, so brands can look at me as someone that shreds. Whereas if I was in a video where it's like absolutely, you know, perfect sunset, perfect sunrise, all the shots are perfect, that doesn't highlight my writing as much. I really wanted to, to be someone that could like videos that interest people within the industry as like, okay, this is shredding. And this is some things that can get an entry to Red Bull Rampage and, you know, Outline and all that stuff. That was really what I was looking for. And also at this time I was, I was trying to be the best writer I could. So doing those videos, I could like push my writing. And because I would not have done that if I was on film. I would not have taken that many risks. You know, I could, I could write like a little bit slower mm -hmm. and not not pull for a gap but by doing that 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 made my writing progress do you have a background in business because i feel like yeah. <laughs> like you you treat obviously mountain biking is your sport and your passion and you love doing it but like you're definitely tuned in to how to make money from it establish relationships with brands like does that come from a background yeah so i've studied business and marketing at school back in france um and honestly, I get just as much pleasure from managing the relationship with partner and like building, you know, like basically giving return on investment to a partner and having them stuck than doing a gap or, you know, running a steep line. Like I, I really enjoy it. And that's why I don't have a manager for anything that's bike related because I, I really want to do it. You do it all yourself. Yeah. Have you ever had a manager? Once I did a try, um, with someone that used to work at GoPro that I'm still in touch with. Uh, that was in 28, 2018, I believe. Um, great guy. He was working for a company that was kind of a production company and they had like a wing of the company that was to help athletes, um, you know, manage contract. And so it was a company that I signed with, which was, uh, which is Ace Components, so Ace Breaks. Um, and I already had the contact I'd already been chatting with them. And so I'd already done like most of the work. We knew we were going to work together. I tried the breaks. I was like, okay, I want to work. I want to work with Hayes. And I gave away basically the contact to that manager so he could negotiate the contract on my behalf. But we had already talked about numbers and stuff. 
And that only lasted one year because then the company that the manager was working for um, like closed their mm. uh, athlete program. So then I just kept on going with the deal. But the amount of money I got is what I would have gotten by myself. Like it was, you know, I mean, we had, we had discussed everything and I just, I just like to deal directly with the brand. Mm. Like I, I really enjoy it. Well, uh, do you want to be our manager if you enjoy it so much? I, you there's, know what? There's an opening. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I feel stoked when other athletes like reach out with, you know, tips and stuff because that means that within the industries they value uh, what I'm doing, the things that I would not be able to do it as long as I'm a provider myself. How? So how, I, I would have to like retire fully. Mm -hmm. Before I do it. For Before you even consider to w be in the same room with us. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you determine your value? I mean, that's the hardest thing. Like it's, uh, it's just like just throwing random numbers out there, whatever. Yeah. You just send flipping it. a coin. You just send it until someone says yes. And you're like, okay, for some people, this is what I'm worth. Yeah. And do you ever send a number that you think is. No, but n now it's calculated. Like mm, now okay. I, at first, you know, I was like, I mean, the first time I got offered money, I didn't even ask for it. It's actually race face. Mm. Um, I was super interested in working with them. That was after the first year in Whistler. I reached out countless of time and they never got back to me. And so I'd given up. I'd taken another decision to go with a, another company. It was just a you know product deal. It was going to be 200 bars, two stem for the year, like that. And Red TP reached out to me. At the time, I think he was helping Raceface with their social media. Mm. And he was like, hey, I thought you reach, I, I saw that you reached out to Raceface. Uh, I'm having a chat with them because, you know, I'd like them to bring you on. And Raceface reached out. And at the time I was, you know, I was like, well, it's too late now. And they're like, no, come by the office. And they basically were like, okay, what do you need? I'm like, well, we can chat next year, but you know, for 2014, it's, it's kind of too late. I've got two handlebars and two stems. <laughs> so. And they're like, yeah, but we'll give you, so, so they're like, what do you want? And I was like, you know, it'd be cool to have like a little bit of budget to do a video and, you know, obviously the products I need. And they're like, and what about a check? <laughs> I was like, oh, didn't even think about that. And so, yes, yeah, I got my first paycheck ever, which was very tiny, but at the time it felt, wow. For sure. I left the meeting thinking, why would they be paying me? <laughs> yeah. so Almost a little bit of an imposter syndrome on your side, maybe. If you feel like you I felt like I didn't Yeah, I felt like I didn't deserve it at all. Interesting. Uh but then that I was like, Well, if that brand is willing to pay me, all those other brands should be paying me. That's you know, kind of the idea behind it. Well, in the last couple of years we've seen you absolutely crush it. You're the top of our feed every day. My dad knows who you are. My parents, Remy is a household name now, it seems like. Thank you. You're like a North Star in a lot of our conversations. You know, maybe we're asking, what would Remy do in this situation? Uh, I want to open this up to Dave <laughs> because Dave has to leave in 10 minutes. Now, yes. we've talked about Remy a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And now you're with the man himself. Mm -hmm. Is there any questions, any burning questions you have for Remy here? Now, what is it? Is it Metal? How do you, how do you pronounce it? Metal? Metaille. 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 Yeah. Do, I, do I say the L? Metaille. That's, that's actually as close as you can get. Okay, me. excellent. <laughs> that's as good as you'll do. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, that's good. 
Because, uh, yeah, I think I was saying Metallier or Metallier back in the day. Metallier. You get a lot of a lot of that? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I'm not actually exactly sure on the pronunciation of my own name. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard it wrong too many times. Yeah, exactly. So now I'm like, you know, when people ask my name, I, I don't say the French way. I say the North American way. Mm. All right, have I filled enough air for Dave to come up with a question? Yeah. Uh, no, I was too busy listening to you. <laughs> um, I'm feeling very on the spot. Mm. Um, I've got a question okay, for Dave great. on Dave's behalf. Thank you. Dave has gone. <laughs> you, you did your best. You keep keep thinking of one. Uh-huh. Just, Dave's been mountain biking twice. Okay. Yeah, and that's true. We. The what? Did, why does he have a job here? This is a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's, he's our layman. Is that right? Layman? Layman. Not yeah. lame man. He's our layman. Because we were in comedy, right? And we, Dave had his own YouTube channel back in the day. Mm-hmm. We had our YouTube channel. We met through comedy and whatnot. We're all lovers of comedy and movies and TV shows and stuff. Him, movies more so. He's a movie freak. So, <laughs> cinephile, perhaps. Sure. And, uh, uh, well, obviously a lot of stuff we do is biking, but we can, we, there's a nice kind of, uh, crossroads where he's the non-biker and we're the bikers oh, and sure. we are sometimes too inside and and we want our stuff to appeal to the broad audience so he can kind of come in here and be like what the hell are you guys talking about let's scale it back you know yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes uh, actually i asked my uh asked my my girlfriend like what do you think of this and because she doesn't bike she doesn't know anything other than the stuff that she learned through me and if she thinks something is really cool then I know that it, it's more likely to appeal to a, a wider audience. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I can show her the, you know, the most technical stuff and she's like, just a little step. <laughs> yeah, just riding down a rock. Dave's obviously had to uh, been forced to watch a lot of mountain bike content. And the most mm-hmm. impressed Dave's been is on this podcast when Jackson Goulson was watching his hardline run. Have you done the hardline track? No, I haven't. I've been invited for quite a few years. Um, but at the time it was too close from Rampage. So mm. it was just like, it was end of September, like a few weeks before Rampage. And like the way I saw it, equal risk, Rampage, way bigger return on investment for sponsors and for my career. Yeah. That makes sense. So I've never been. But my question for Dave. <laughs> thank you, thank you, <laughs> yeah. thank you. So... Ideally, we want to take you riding for your third time. Mm-hmm. For a third time rider like Dave, how <laughs> do we make him better? Not saying you're bad. You're I'm getting just, tips from the best yeah, in the business. Yeah. Saying, this is like, amazing. I think you you had a, he, he he's pretty good naturally on a bike. Um, he doesn't complain, which is great. It's good sport. Yeah, sometimes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, with, with like for a very beginner level rider, what are like those like two or three like key things that you're like just repeat this? Well, since he hasn't been riding for a while a couple of times it doesn't have yet any bad habits mm-hmm. so it's easier to like start fresh and you know someone's been riding for 20 years and they you know they've got a terrible habit it's really hard to change it right since it doesn't have any yet i think it's really worth it to take the time and work on like really the basics of how neutral body position should look like you know when you just ride around like how to corner you know how to land when you break what do you do like which break does what? I think all of this is what you can really work on right now. And since you're so new to the sport, I think you're gonna pick up like really good tips from it and be able to progress faster. 
I feel like we just kind of tossed in the deep end a little bit. Is that true? I don't know. If they, we didn't go through any drills or um, teach you how to break. I feel like I gave Dave a five-minute pep talk before our ride in Cumberland. Mm-hmm. My biggest thing was like, yeah, the, which Brit, like left is front, right is rear. Mm-hmm. Um, Some countries. That's true. Um, and keep keeping the pedals level when you're descending, especially. Like mm-hmm. don't have one foot way up. Um, but I, I don't even, sometimes I think like when I'm riding, you know, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, am I doing this right? Like, you know, you kind of blow a corner. You're like, why did I do that? How did that happen? And so I don't ever feel, um, empowered enough or smart enough to tell someone else how to ride their bike <laughs> the in big, any way. The big thing I learned my first time was I didn't realize you're standing when you go downhill. Yeah, you do, but it's way less tiring than you think once you do it well. Right. But I just, I, I was sitting and Jason was like, no, you need to stand up. And I'm like, okay, this seems like a big uh, detail. <laughs> <laughs> That's then, like learning, go on. And yeah. then the level pedals. So then last time, because there was, what, like a year between my two rides? <laughs> yeah. The second time we went, which was a couple of weeks ago, I did, I did have the muscle, I still had the muscle memory from a year ago of like the level pedals and um, doing the switchbacks and it definitely wasn't, I definitely didn't feel like I was starting at zero, which was nice. But we've taken them so far from one ride in Cumberland and then mm-hmm. one ride on the, on Seymour, which was, there's no easy trail on Seymour, let alone the entire shore. I feel like, I mean, there's like bobsled. I still think bobsled's hard. I've seen people just ax themselves like newbies. Yeah. There's a couple other trails, but ah, so ever. short and they're, yeah. Seymour has, or sorry, Squamish has some good trails. For Squamish has definitely better trails for beginners. Like what? Pseudo Suga. Pseudo Suga. I still don't know how to pronounce it. I don't. I don't know if I know that. Pseudo Suga. Yeah. It's like a. It's just a, a blue trail. It's yeah. like a. It's like a beeline with. Yeah. It's, it's a beeline with bigger berms. Wait, what do you think about Easy Does It? Is that is that a good trail to start on? There's like nothing on it though. It's just like. It's just Easy flat. Does It is like your transition between riding on the road. To riding on the mountain but not doing mountain biking yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So then from easy, easy does it, the next step would be beeline. But then there's like jumps. It's like jumps right away. What? Like what's the, if you, if you're very comfortable on easy does it, you, you can, you can ride on beeline for sure. We've been wondering why there's no easy does it tr- style trail on the shore. It's like sustained kind of smooth downhill. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. I don't know. Because um, maintenance would be, the main, obviously, they'll get a lot of traffic. Most likely, they'll get hikers as well on it. Um, and they have to be well thought out. So, like, water doesn't damage them too much. But usually, flatter trails, you know, don't get as much breaking, as much, like, uh, damage from water. So, they usually last fairly long. Plus, you need to destroy a whole bunch of forest, I guess, to make a style trail like that. <laughs> that's, Maybe. yeah, Climbing that's, I mean, trees. But, like, for a green trail, you basically need to build that with an excavator mm. on the shore just because of the type of soil. So what is a neutral body position? I feel like it's... <laughs> dab it's, position? Or Dave just did a dab. Is that neutral? <laughs> it's no, like no. the position you should have when you're just riding on a trail and you're not being active. So like by what I mean by active is like pushing for a compression or a drop or like engaging your body for a corner or like something super steep. It's like your just your basic position of cruising, standing up on your bike, so you can you know look ahead and basically use little to no, no energy, be fairly safe on the bike. That's what you'll do, you know, if you just 
you are not pushing and you ride beeline in between corners. You know, you just you just cruise. And so what does that look like? Is it butt out, elbows out? Basically, yeah. Yeah. And where do you try to okay, so you're the I've seen you been called the the best you have the best brake handling in biking <laughs> in biking. I've heard I've seen that a lot in your comments. <laughs> Thank you. So if some more tips for Dave, because I tell him what my dad told me years about uh, years ago. Use both brakes, but use a little bit more front brake than back brake. Is there something there? Yeah, for sure. Like your front brake stops you, and your rear brake slows you down. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, but obviously, braking from the front since it's more powerful. If you grab too much front brake and it's really slippery, you could lock the front wheel by accident. And it's easier, it's harder to recover than if you do lock the rear wheel by accident, you're less likely to, to crash. But the rear wheel really slows you down. But you use the rear wheel a lot, the rear brake a lot, once you start to go fast to initiate uh, slides. So you, you get the bike to slide so you can place it properly on the corner uh, to balance the bike in the air, you know, on the manual. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Dave, when we're taking you on these rides, are you even like conscious of what you're doing with your brakes or are you just trying to hold on? Barely. <laughs> Super technical. Barely. About like which one does what you mean? Yeah, oh yeah. Or like how much am I pressing? And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just sort of instinctual from having grown up riding bikes well, in, in that good. sort of way. But I used to, outside my school, I used to ride my bike around and do little tricks and stuff. And kids, my friends would want to ride my bike. And with hydraulic brakes, they would not expect the braking power of the front brake and they would slam it on and they'd go over the bars almost every time. I yeah, know it's, yeah. I mean, I went from, that was like, so it's cantilever brakes that are like triangle to V brake. And that was already a huge difference. Right. And now, now I've got, you know, brakes that are insanely powerful. You just do this and if you don't know how to use it, it's, but then it's, it's like everything, right? It's like, Having a super fast car, once you know how to drive well, the power is not an issue. Right. Dave, are you slipping out? I'm slipping out. Oh, man. It's Enjoy. Oh. What, are you, what are you off to, Dave? Dave? What are you doing? What do you got going on? I am, I am uh, babysitting my nephew. Oh. That's oh. a huge bitch. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? All right. Well, Merry Christmas, Dave. Uh, see He's you later. Out. See you next year. Bye. Dave's going to go practice all those mountain bike skills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to steal your bike. and. Uh, it sounds like he's going to practice his parenting skills first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't transition really well, but. Remy, do you still like train ever? Do you ever like go and practice stuff yeah. or like, yeah? For, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 What does that look like for you? Um, on the physical aspect, not so much. I, I go through like periods where. You know, I, I start doing like push-ups and pull-ups and, you know, I I do a ton of it for two weeks and then I don't do any for one year. Uh, I'm not nearly as serious as I used to with uh, going to the gym. I started to go again to the gym last month and I was, I was feeling pretty motivated, but then I had a crash, um, which, you know, put me off the gym for, for a little bit. Uh, but I, I, I want to go back to it just because obviously it's very important it, it's not much for the performance it's more for injury prevention mm. um and in terms of practice i mean i do stuff over and over so i can so i can progress basically like to me like repetition is is the best way to progress so i'm very um picky and very self um 
and like I'm very hard on myself with like my writing. Like even if I do stuff and from the outside it looks like it's great, I'm gonna pick up little stuff. Like one of my ankles didn't flex enough, or one of my ankles flexed too much. Maybe my head bobbled a little bit. Maybe my right shoulder that I injured like drops a little. Like just very little things that. No way. Or maybe I'm gonna lock my break a little bit too much, and you can tell that you know maybe I got a bit surprised or. You know, maybe if I do a nose manual, instead of keeping it like perfectly smooth, maybe the rear starts to drop and I have to press the front and, you know, it kind of makes like little impact. Mm -hmm. um, I notice stuff that no one else notices. So are you having fun out there? <laughs> no, I, like I, I love it because that's how I get better. Right. But then I can get to a space where I can do the naughtiest stuff and it has there's no more stress anymore. I've done that so many times. Like, uh, I can do it at night. I can do it during the day. Like, it's, it's second nature. <laughs> now, I've, I've wondered actually <clears throat> if uh, I was talking to Brett Tippy. I was asking him this question, and I think I may have said, I may have brought up your name. I said someone like Remy. I wonder because you're so good at seeing, like, you, you notice things in your own body, your particular. And I've said, I wonder if Remy can watch like a GoPro video of me or like one of our videos and be like, oh, he's not uh, clearly, his ankles are flexing too much and he's leaning too far to the right <laughs> oh, and uh, corners garbage. Like, can you see it in other people's riding too? Yeah, for sure. Oh God. All right, so tell me everything I'm doing wrong, <laughs> yeah. please. You, you, have to, you have to show me a video. But show you, me a video. You guys okay. are good riders, but like, I mean, whoever it is, even, even like even pro riders at Rampage, like, I mean, these guys are the top of the top. I do notice when they make a mistake, and it's a mistake that they're aware of. Right. You know, you see a rider making a mistake. No one comments about it, but I notice right away. And if you ask the rider, like, what did you miss on that section? They can point out mm. exactly the same thing. Now, okay. Oh, what was that? What the heck? Was that Brooke? <laughs> oh, uh, cut that out. Um, is it just, does it just apply to like free ride, downhill kind of riding? Or like if you're watching like, like a joyride, like slope style, the same, same kind of things apply? Like you can see when someone's making a mistake or is that like well, beyond? Slope, I mean, slope style, I'll, I'll pick up like the, like I don't have much knowledge. Um, obviously I, you know, I look at what the athletes do because it's unreal. Um, but you know, if uh, an athlete lands, you know, tiny bit deep and got like a head bubble, you know, when, when your head like slaps a little bit, yeah. if they land a little bit sideways, if they don't catch the pedal, perfectly you know sometimes they do obviously the 360 like triple tie whip now but you can see the struggle and you know the line with you know left foot is like super far off the pedal and so the right foot drops when they land like little things like that i definitely notice yeah. mm. have you ever thought of um judging events like free ride events or i'll be interesting on judging rampage yeah one of the criteria is that you you have to like you need to have competed at Rampage. Right, yeah, yeah. Which I have. And I feel like I I could still ride. I mean, I mean, like right now I'm a better rider than I used to be when I went to Rampage. Mm. So I feel like I have a really good eye on what's actually, I mean, a drop is a drop. A step down is a drop, right? Like people can measure it. Um, but I think Berklo had a really good, he did a video about that and he was telling people a 50 foot drop can be way easier than a 40 foot drop that's got like, you know, a steep roll in where you need to be on the brakes and the landing that's got like 
you know, corner right after and so all of that is stuff that I pay attention when I do because a lot of the riding I do the drops aren't huge mm-hmm. like I don't do any 50 footer drops but they're like really precise really technical and in videos they don't necessarily look big but when you go there in person you notice that wow the running is like super steep and you have to like turn when you are in the air and when you land there's a tree facing you so you have to avoid it and and rampage is it's not slope style it's also like that right where there is like a lot of variables so i feel like i could i yeah definitely would be interested on potentially judging yeah it seems like that could be in your trajectory since you're so analytical you spot all these things yeah it's super interesting do you, where do you stand on like the controversy with judging because you know every time there's disagreements I wonder if you shouldn't have more judges because I think the way it works is like five or six judges. Then there's one, I think Gulli was doing that this year, that's kind of oversees yeah. everything. And they remove the highest and the lowest mark, I believe, and average oh. the rest. Okay, so I didn't know that. But I think if you got like five judges, you remove the highest and the lowest, you basically average three. Hmm. I don't know. I wonder if the sport shouldn't evolve as well like I mean I think it's extremely hard to judge and it's not a perfect science you know it's it also depends what the like someone like me if I had to judge from like a, you know like selfishly and just look at rampage and there is some stuff that the judges at rampage score really high but it, for example if it's like a super technical line going downhill or a super precise gap it's something that I'm more likely to do than a backflip step down. Mm. So I would personally, I can't relate to doing a backflip step down like Kamzing did. Right. So me, I would score that at the extreme. Whereas if it's someone that does like a row shoot super technical, something that I'm way, way more likely to do, that would score that as lower, right? Obviously, when you judge on page, it's not based on what yourself could do. It's on what the, the athletes out there do. Um, but yeah, I'd be I'd be really interesting on doing stuff there. But are you still of the mindset where you would also like to compete at Rampage still? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. How do you get invited? It seems like a mystery. <laughs> yeah. It's like you gotta make an edit, but then you make an edit and you put blood, sweat, and tears into it, and it means nothing, and you don't get invited, and then people are mad about it, and you make an Instagram story post about it and say you're mad, and then uh, you I get mean, 300 comments from your friends saying, "Yeah, Red Bull, what's up with that?" And then nothing happens again. No, it's <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah it's really tough is, that, is it politics is it just you gotta know the, the right person you gotta there's definitely a mm. bit of politics involved um, there's so many talented riders that deserve to go but truth is that you can only fit so many riders there yeah like it's not mm-hmm. you know I mean even a slope style event right like in terms of logistic you couldn't have 80 people competing mm-hmm. and rampage is the same in terms of logistic with the wind yeah with, the wind with, the, with building the lines people. you just yeah, this is like the first year that uh, didn't get canceled. Yeah, that, that was impressive. Like that was that, that was really good. That was a really good watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought. I mean, we've already said this, but from a bite, like a watcher perspective, I was like, that was a great show. That was like uh, that was yeah, that was you great. know, that like was great. logistically, the camera yeah. angles were great. It's like the, the best it's ever now. been. And we're Wait, talking what? about the judging, and it. I think it's extremely hard, mm. but I do think like Cam Zing, for example, to me, deserve to win. So, you know, Bienve, 
obviously like his his writing was you know phenomenal and he got underscored and but at the same time on his first run you know when he throws a bike and didn't finish like, yeah what's that <laughs> but i was i was punching my tv keep going man what are you not the finish I line know, it's like what other sport can you start celebrating and the, put your the, thing the, down like I, I don't know what the judges thought about that yeah but to me you can't score I mean, you know, it's basic rules, right? Mm -hmm. You can't score that to the normal level than you would have if yeah. he finishes run. Just did a sick whip and just continued, you know? It just seemed like it, in that moment it meant more to him For sure. than winning. It was just a personal moment. But then, and then he wasn't going to do another one, and then he did another one. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of he confusion. He did another one, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of confusion for sure. I love it. Yeah. Is, there, is there chance, like, of more rampages? Or is that the only place you could do that event in uh, down there in... Utah. As far as I know, it's, I mean, it's it's a pretty special place. Some spot in Chile that seems to, mm. you know, be interesting. Like, you could do cool stuff, but then could you hold an event? Like, it's a different story. I know Proving Ground is, is doing, like, a couple of stops uh, where they want to really develop, basically, the step before Rampage and almost make it, like, you know, just a different show. That yeah. attract just as good of, of riders and that hopefully gets, you know, a lot of views. Especially since it's gonna be in February. But there is yeah, some true. stuff happening in New Zealand, so that's that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, it almost feels like you you watch F one? Uh, I watch Drive to Survive. Perfect. So, so I don't watch F one, I just watch the show. So like F one is like top tier, cream of the crop, twenty drivers. You have to get like you have to be so good to get into it. But then there's F two, F three, F four, and it almost feels like Freeride and World Cup racing could use something like that. Yeah, but su sadly, no one talks about F2, F3. I know, that's the thing. Like, the gap between F1 and F2, F3 is it's huge. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. But I think, you know, the more event, the better. It's going to benefit the sport, the riders. More opportunity. For sure. Yeah, I feel like Dave over here. I can't, I don't know what's going on. Okay, F1, we'll change, what? We'll change the subject. Okay, thank God. Um, I, I did have a question <laughs> about. Um, I guess like we we asked Wade Simmons this question and it was uh, based on features that we we used the example where Wade hit that uh, Merino Valley California Gap big step down yeah and then this year Dylan Stark goes back hits it again and does a tuck no hander and we asked Wade like how do you feel about that you like coined that gap like do you have some sort of like what attachment to it he said he doesn't care if someone else hits his feature. But they have to level it up. Yeah, they can't just hit it. it well, if you're, he said, if you're okay, gonna hang your hat good. on it, you're you gonna hang your hat up. Yeah, you can go out and do it. But if you're gonna, if you're uh, gonna, I guess film it and put it in edit and you know be like, I did this thing. You gotta yeah. level it up. How do how do you feel about? Because you obviously that's, that's a good question. Um, I think that's a great answer on on Wade. Yeah, he's so diplomatic. <laughs> he's a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's been he's been in, in the game for a long time. Exactly. No, I don't have. Um, if you go after a specific feature because you've watched someone else do it and you've been inspired to go and, and do it, I think it's just a... I mean, I mean, at the minimum you could do is to, if you post the video, to make the caption about whoever did it first. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, be like, well, this was awesome. You know, I've, I've watched... What Simmons do that gap and and knowing Dylan Stark, that's 
that was definitely what he had in mind, and I'm sure he did it. I'm sure in the text somewhere it was mm-hmm. it was written. He would not have just gone it like he went there because he knew what Simons had done it, and he's been inspired by Wade Simons to do the same. And obviously, he leveled up because it's also you know 25 years later. Yeah, it's been a while. Or 20 years later, and and you know. Um, I mean, you've probably caught some heat because uh, I remember the Moab thing, the Moab steep roll thing. I don't know what it has a name. Well, on so it. my my take on that, obviously, without talking about the rest, but like, I was like, everybody's done that. Um, Richie Schley, Brett TP. It's funny, uh, like as many a, people a, as a viewer. I mean, I'm entertained. Anybody does oh, it, yeah. I'm like freaking holy crap! I can't believe this. Remy did oh. that Schley. I can't remember who I saw do it first. Maybe Ke- it was Tippy. I don't know. And he wasn't even the first. It was Schley. So Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith was the first person. Kenny Smith, right? But then See, it's been done. It's been almost. done by hundreds of people. My reasoning when I was there is, can I do it better than everyone else? Mm. And I was like, can I nose manual the entire thing? And it was quite windy. And I could have nose manual most of it, but I would not have looked cool in, in video. Like I could have done, I could have potentially gapped, um, like lower down, but it wasn't, it was, it wasn't going to look cool. Jesus. So I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to write it faster than everyone else. That was my signature right. on it. So, I mean, well, first of all, let's say the stunt we're talking about, if you know it, uh, it's illegal. We don't condone you to ride this thing. Don't ride mm-hmm. it. No bikes allowed. But the whole thing with like, well, I did it first. No, we did it first. It seems to me as an outsider a bit petty. I get it. But I just think like, okay, me, not a pro rider. If I go and do that thing, the role, and I post it on my Instagram. Again, don't do it. It's illegal. But if I were to do it, what? Am I lame now? Am I like, I don't need to do it fastest. I don't need a nose manual. I just want to do it and share it with my friends that I did it. But no. it's like, it almost, like, where's the line drawn? Like, oh, well, this person's a pro rider and this guy has X many sponsors. Well, you got to shout out the, pr- you know, you know no, what I'm saying? I'm, I'm stuck when I see people, like, for example, hitting the Guranga drop. Mm-hmm. Um, like, people go there. I mean, every time I'm there for filming, there is someone that stops and, and, and look at it. Or someone pedaled up and is like, oh, that's, that's Guranga with a drop. So people have seen the videos mm-hmm. and they're inspired to go and check it out. I'm like I'm always stuck when someone does it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's super gnarly. As long as it's safe, <laughs> you know. It's I've seen I've seen some pretty bad crash. As long as people are safe, calculated, in tune with their skills, and it's not like well, I'm just gonna do it because some dude on the internet has done it, so I can do it as well. It do, it doesn't work like that. Um, but no, I have no problem with people eating stuff like that. Mm. It is interesting though, like it, of in terms of, um the general public hitting it versus other athletes or content creators who are using it to, you know, gain something, right? If you're going to post a clip, you're gaining something from that clip. Like we, Matt and I remember when we were in Quebec, this was years ago now. And we wrote, I think you've probably written the trail. It's this trail that goes down a waterfall. Yes. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And we, I think we might have been the first people to film it. They were literally finishing the trail as we were like pushing yeah. up. Yeah, they're to walking do it. down with pickaxes and chainsaw. Yeah, and this was before I think the time of like posting your POV clip, like one hit on Instagram. We just filmed it for a bigger Mahalo video, yeah. and it's funny seeing all these videos from even just this year and last year. And I think yours too get so many views from this trail. We're like, you almost get this feeling of like, oh, but but 
we wrote that. Yeah, like, where was the Mahalama? Dude, shout yeah, out, was, Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I didn't get a notification. Well, and, it's not it's not like jealousy or bitterness. It's just this weird like lizard brain kind of reaction. Yeah. Well, but it's like a lot of people have that. You know, like you make a living creating content, so it's almost like you want to protect. Like you, you almost want to protect. I mean, it's a way to almost protect your business. Like you stalk when other people do. It's like, okay, like a random example. If you go and hit a drop or a gap on a trail, and it's insanely gnarly. You take a huge amount of risk. You do it, and you know the video gives you, you know, credit as a shredder. Mm-hmm. If no one else does it, and this, you know, drop stays around for years, and everybody like, wow, you know, this dude like jumps at it. That was crazy. You keep that status, right? But suddenly everybody goes and does it. That almost like diminish your riding a little bit. I feel like there's levels to this thing. I mean, mm-hmm. the recent, the most recent like controversy was Lewis Buchanan hitting the battleship oh, at yeah. the top of the uh, rampage there, right? And I, th- I mean, my understanding of the story is that he posted it. He took a couple beautiful drone clips. He had a POV maybe, and he didn't tag the people, the builders. No, he, he actually, and, uh, he actually, um, he actually in his in his caption made the caption about you know how crazy that was, and you know props to. Simon Godziak and Brandon Fairclough for, you know, thinking about it and building the line and, and, and doing it first. Like, this was, like, crazy. And I think a lot of the hit he got is because it's at Rampage and even though it should be free for everybody to go, you got, like, getting invited to Rampage is way harder than actually riding at Rampage. Riding a Rampage line, you could have thousands of people that can do it. But getting invited, there's only, what, 18 people? Mm-hmm. 20 people invited? So that's the hard part. Because doing a rampage, I, I could do rampage runs with my trail bike on the Alfred. You know, you can build whatever you want, right? So you can build an easy line that you're comfortable with. And so many people could do that. But getting invited is the hard part. So it's almost like that super prestigious event where being invited is a huge achievement by itself. So then if you go and ride the lines and you ride the lines that other athletes have created, took a lot of risk to to be the first ones to do, even though you give them credit, that's why other people got upset. Yeah, it's tricky. And that's why I say there's levels. It's like that's like poaching someone's line to the, you know, the highest degree almost. I don't know. I've even been on shoots where we have, there's a little lip up there and the Alpine somewhere and we get the shot. It was, you know, and then the photographer kicks over the lip at the end. So I don't want anybody else to get this shot. I'm like, what? Come on, leave some fun for the next person. Does it really need to be like that? It seems very territorial. It's, it's, mountain a, it's biking, a bit like that. Mountain like biking. Me is the way I see it. It's like whenever I do something, I try really hard to do it the best I can. Mm-hmm. And if someone else goes and does it better, that's completely fine. But I want to make sure that I've done my best. It's a fair y- you know, that's yeah. like if Semenok shows up and, you know, 360 or does a completely flat table of a drop that, you know, I just barely jump, that's fine. But I want to make sure that me, like I've done the best I could with my skills and technique. <laughs> 
Well, maybe I'll just never understand because I'm just a bumbling novice, and uh, you know, <laughs> I'll never be in that freaking level what, of what, poaching. And what, what did you think of uh, of that comment? Because I know what you what you were the Bumblegate thing. Yeah. Um, I thought the video of uh, Ryan from Rome Ranger was a great answer. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think um, I don't know. Uh, the internet is running out of memory, and yeah, people should st should stop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got a couple, a couple gigabytes left, man. Oh, fire, bro! Yeah, and we should leave it for Remy. <laughs> those vertical clips are sick. I don't know, man. I obviously, from what I'm saying here, I kind of take everything like lightly, and I just think there's enough fun for everybody, and like try not to have the scarcity mindset. Like, if someone else is doing it, it's taking away from me. It's just like, like you said. Just do it to the best of your ability. And the people who are, uh, you know, putting out crummy footage, well, no one's watching it. And that's why it has two views, right? But even, you don't need to shame those people because maybe the two views are from the mom and the brother. And, like, it means something to someone. Yeah, that's I mean, my take on it. Yeah, like, the way I see it, it's like, I'm a beginner on a, on a surfboard. Yeah. I've got my GoPro. There you go, yeah. You know, like, the one wave I'm going to catch out of, like, the 50 I'm going to paddle. Okay. You know. It takes a lot of courage to wear the GoPro and show up somewhere where you're not the best. Like I even think about going to the North Shore bike park here and hitting the airbag. I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to like capture some of the, my like goofy attempts at tricks or whatever with the GoPro or put a camera. But I'm like, oh, it's so embarrassing. What am I making a statement? Like check me out. I got to film it, you know, but in the end it's fun. You're just making something, documenting, whatever, whatever right? Like uh, I always play with the GoPro. Like I, I really enjoy using it. I will, like obviously I, I ride for GoPro, but. I was doing it before I was riding for GoPro. It's a cool way for me to like build memories, even on skis. And it's also a great way for me to progress. Because I can look at the footage and, you know, see the mistake I've done and, right. and kind of learn from that. Uh, yeah, I also think in that podcast, it was kind of like, you know, we've said a lot of things in our podcast that are just off the cuff and whatever. And like, <laughs> don't tell them. <laughs> someone can freaking make a video that's nope, like, you can't do it. We've breaking down our whatever. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's like some truth in like with what uh, certain groups of people think. Like, yeah, influencers get hate. YouTubers get hate. I feel like. Yeah, we there's some people who probably dismiss us just simply because we upload to YouTube. They don't care what we make. It's YouTube. You're YouTubers. We, you know, we're not filmmakers. We're not whatever. We're YouTubers. We're influencers. So they don't mm. want. They don't. They don't want none of it. No, uh, I think what was interesting though was, and I think this is over the past like couple of years is how the budgets of brands yeah get spent. And, and I, I think yeah. that's that's a good conversation. I think everybody's got value, but to which level, like. You know, someone that that is a shredder that focuses on rampage or workups or just making shredded. Even though, you know, they have a YouTube channel with 500 followers because they upload one video a year or for their sponsor. Like, where do they sit in terms of money or in terms of value for brands compared to someone who's got a, a solid following but that's not an advanced rider? And that's, you know, there's no perfect science. And I think that's an, in, that's an interesting topic and that has been for the past little bit with, with YouTube, I think. I think back to you saying, you know, you got your first check and you're like, why is someone giving me this check? Like there's someone with the 500 subscribers out there who posted their, you know, 10th GoPro video and they got a free bike. And they're like, why did I get a free bike? This is crazy. I just feel like let the people take their W, take, take their win, whatever, you know, they'll rise. But at some point we were making the crappy... Yeah, exactly. we still are but 
We're making the crappy GoPro video. It's just, uh, mm -hmm. it's part of the path, I guess, you know? <laughs> I don't know. The crappy path. Yeah. How was your injury, by the way? Because we were supposed to do this uh, podcast like a couple weeks ago. And then uh, you, it's, uh, it's pretty good. You took I, a huge stack. Yeah, I took a big one. Uh, and you sent us pictures. Thank you. <laughs> very nudes. Shocking. Oh, you, did, you, did, you didn't see the latest pictures. Um, there's pretty, actually, there's no pictures. Um, only a couple of people have seen that, but the hematoma just moved. Uh, the, hem the what? Hematoma? The hematoma? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So basically, the way it works, like, you got a big hematoma, which is like filled up with blood, but yeah. then the blood has to go somewhere. So it went in between my butt cheeks. <laughs> And then it went on the front of my Yes, I'm junk in the trunk, Remy. <laughs> then it went to your taint? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, well, sorry, I don't know what's a taint. Uh, the Gooch? space between your... No. Oh, okay. Well, I, I can't see very well Hold there, up. but... <laughs> it's uh, the, uh, you just got to use a mirror. <laughs> a mirror. Let's say it, it went <laughs> in between the... You know, the... Okay, how, how do you say that in, uh, in English without being uh, censored? <laughs> Basically, between the eggplant and the two grapefruits. Oh, okay. Oh, God. Yeah, onto the shaft. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. What the yeah. heck is that? I don't know. Jesus. Yeah. No, no, but it's good. Um, Pull it up. Hematoma's <laughs> <laughs> basically gone. And so I damaged, like, left shoulder, um, a little bit my wrist, but mostly, like, just fairly light injury, but it was, like, Four different body parts. Jeez. So Guanchali took a big hit that day, huh? <laughs> yeah, Jeez. there you go. The did, Guanchali. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was uh, kind of disturbing watching you. you I, I didn't know if you were going to release it. Because I know some athletes are like protective of hiding when they're injured, when they're not because of sponsor stuff, right? They don't want to show that like, oh, I'm injured. And, like, maybe that's... No, that, no, that's true. That's super true. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. like a lot of people are. Um, but I mean, I like to think that I do a ton of work and if I'm going to be off because I crashed while pushing myself to do the best work possible like I know sponsor would have my back sure yeah I mean it's uh, part of the game right yeah and, and also like with you know with YouTube like like I was able to film uh, well one video I reused footage like from another video but I did a video that I posted this morning that I filmed when I was injured because it doesn't involve uh, writing so i can still do stuff right right yeah it's yeah it's and important. i have some and i have some ideas like that for unfortunately if i get injured to have like a backup plan to to be able to do stuff yeah smart and if yeah. i was injured for let's say you know i break a wrist and i'm out for three months i would be able to do for example a video on how to eat a drop but instead of me writing i'll get I'll coach someone. We'll get Dave. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you, you can always do stuff and I'm, I have no problem with, you know, I like, I update my sponsor weekly on, you know, what I'm up to. Um, you know, usually it's like, hey, I've just released that video and, but if I have an injury, I also mention it. A lot of emails. So what's your day in the life of Remy look like? You waking up a crack of dawn, hitting emails for one hour on the dot, then you go do the push-ups and then you eat a pizza and then... Or, I do emails for way more than an hour a day. Okay. Yeah. What does it look like? What, when you, what, you wake up at uh, the same time every day? What do you, uh, what's your sleep schedule look like? Usually like 7.30 a.m. when I wake up. Um, wake up 7.30 a.m. You're a night owl? Stay up late? Yeah, not so much. No? I, I sleep a lot. Mm. Yeah, I sleep a lot. You get eight hours? Yeah. You're more? Oh, yeah. Oh, way nice. more? 
Nine. How do you? Nine. nine. Yeah, that's yeah. healthy. You uh, do you prefer? How do you feel after like a four hour sleep? I don't see much difference. No. But I like sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my girlfriend works on um, Ontario schedule, so she she usually starts her day at seven a.m. Which is one of the reasons why I go to bed like earlier. In the summer, it's hard though, because you know, you bike until 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. And I love cooking. So by the time you get home and start cooking, suddenly it's 11 p.m. Um, but yeah, a lot of time is spent on emails and editing videos. Editing videos. Yeah. And you're still editing all your own stuff. It's all. Any, is it? any things that I film on GoPro, any things that I post on Instagram, I do it myself. And then other videos um, that are. Why well, I contract a filmer, I don't do the editing, right. but a lot of it I'm still very involved. Yeah, you're giving some direction or notes or whatnot. Yeah. Well, that's, again, I think it's, it's nice. Then mm, you could, I, I mean, I, I, for me, I, I, would, I don't mind if someone else has a, a thought or someone else did something to contribute. Well, it's know? like, like a lot of those YouTube videos I do, like the idea is it's not, you guys do quality. Me, I try to do quantity mm -hmm. <laughs> over Volume quality. Game, yep. Uh, but at the same time, I try to be as efficient as possible and provide, you know, once a week, which is the quantity and and the best quality possible with a certain amount of time. But I want the film. I don't want the filmer to have to spend, you know, twenty five hours. A day. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's not worth it <clears throat> for for what I do. Well, you also have a pretty high level of quality. You've nailed the like super wide GoPro shot where you get the sunset and you got all the shutter shutters yeah, you know what, on I, point and no like I, I don't no? know my stuff isn't like I don't film my stuff to make it the most impressive possible I film it to make it the most realistic possible okay so like a lot of people wear the GoPro Max on their chin so you close up from the bar so the bar moves a lot more but it feels like the bar is moving a lot more and so as a result, that makes the footage look much faster. And mm -hmm. I, I don't. I use it under my visor. So the GoPro is further away from the bar, which actually makes it look slower. I use the distortion, but it's mostly to get back the handlebar the way they actually look like. So it's to give the most accurate view of what I feel mm. when I ride. We run the chesty a lot. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the chesty? I like it a lot, but I think I prefer the head. Yeah, yeah, I think it fits. It fits better. Uh, also, I'm pretty small, so like the chesty, and I move a lot on the bike, so it's not uncommon that I touch the GoPro either on the seat or on the step. Mm. Right. Yeah. Well, I th I don't know. Your uh, clips look pretty incredible, and uh, I guess they do have some sense of realism. But but you must battle. But that's because I try a lot. You try a lot. So like actually that crash I did. Um, it's because I, I was pushing really hard. Mm. And I was trying to go as fast as possible. And I went to that same trail because I really enjoy the trail. And it's one way for me to progress. But I rode that trail the, like in the 10 days prior. I probably rode it 15 times. Wow. And it's like a, a one minute trail. Wow. And I'll, I'll ride it faster and faster. So I could like really push up all the fastest line and be like super dialed. And I was simply trying to ride at my best. So when I post the video of the trail, I just didn't want to be like riding at 80%. Like I was riding like basically at 100%. Mm. How often are you solo? Too often. Yeah, I, I was solo this time and I'm often solo because who wants to, you know, hang out with me when I'm going to be doing the same gap 20 times for one GoPro clip? 
so what happens if uh you know and you crash and you're knocked out or something yeah well that's um that's yeah, that that's um, um i was lucky it didn't happen uh but it's definitely something i'm you know i feel the like i'm riding under my limit though so like whenever i do even when i do like guranga like i feel like i ride below my comfort zone my comfort zone would be like pushing the tabletop more and you know going faster and i don't because i'm alone but I feel like I still try to ride at like super high level. So every clip you see, like I really put effort into it. It's not first try. Yeah. Mm. Well, don't the iPhones these days, like if you get in a car accident, don't they like... They'll send out a signal. IPhone, my iPhone didn't and my watch was pretty out of battery because my watch didn't work either. Oh, really? Interesting. Um, I'm, I'm wondering like what's in your goals for the future? Like... Is it conquer YouTube with more videos? Is it make something bigger? What, competing? Like, what's what's on the horizon for you? No, like, I think... Like, honestly, the program I currently have, I'm really happy with it. Sponsor, I'm really happy with it. And I always say sponsor, but... I mean... Like, my taste in general are pretty expensive. Like, I like to live well. I like to be able to go to a nice restaurant and, you know, drive a new car. And so I need money for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like BC is expensive. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the real estate here is, is ridiculously expensive. Everything is, is crazy expensive. So unfortunately you need a lot of money for that. You got a pretty nice home, pizza oven, uh, pretty nice looking crib I, you got. I did not pay the pizza oven, uh, uh. but it's a nice pizza oven. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, but you yeah, no, that. life is expensive and I just want to make sure that I can develop like really, well, I, I have a really good relationship with sponsors, but I want to like extend that and, you know, be able to help the brands and by doing the best job I can and, you know, really being involved with like product testing, product development and, you know, make sure that my partner are paying me, but they get like a greater return on investment from me. Interesting. Does anybody uh, ask you what your first bike was? It was... Very first memory on a bike. A green bike. <coughs> oh, I love that brand. Green bike. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, yeah, my dad was desperate because I was really bad at it. He just couldn't understand how I wasn't able to pedal by myself by age four. And I learned for my first, my first birthday is the first time I pedaled the bike alone, which now sounds super late because everybody's got push bike. But at the time, that didn't really exist, right? And so my first bike was, was a green bike. And my first proper mountain bike that I spent a lot of time on was a specialized hard rock red size extra small. Nice. There's a green bike, you don't know what it was. No, it's just oh, okay. some, some random bike. Um, but the specialized hard rock was like, it was my mom's bike. I think it was in 1993. And since it was a size extra small, it looked like a trials bike. Because it was like, you know, super slooping. Uh, I removed the second and third uh, chain ring. And so it looked like a trials mountain bike. You were on a one-by before one-by was cool. Exactly. <laughs> well, I got a niece, six years old, still think needs the training wheels. So, But she hasn't really, I think she's been kind of afraid of the bike. So she hasn't tried it that much. But now friends are on the bike, so she wants to yeah. She wants to get in on it. But I'm trying to figure out what the next bike is for her. I don't know. I don't know. But I'll, I'll make sure she listens to this podcast and learns <laughs> the braking thing and the neutral body position, all that. <laughs> Trying to imagine a six-year-old listening to this <laughs> podcast. 
Yeah, it's a big chew. Should we um should we play a game? I'd love to play a game. Uh Remy, a game? A game. Yeah, let's play. Are, are, are you familiar with the game? No. All right. Well, all right. should we They're not our, all each other's, are they, Jason? Let our celebrity host uh explain it here. It's that time again, folks. Time to play this or that. The game where you choose yes. between two radically different <laughs> options. Either this or that. Are you ready? You get it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so much energy. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And... Croissant or baguette? Baguettes. Steep slabs or big jumps? Big jumps. Video shoot or photo shoot? Photo shoot. Whistler or Squamish. Squamish. Riding in the desert or riding in the woods? In the woods. Beer or wine? Beer. Whip or scrub? Scrub. Moto or mountain bike? <laughs> Moto. Moto? <laughs> Wet trails or dry or dusty trails? Wet trails or dusty trails? Dusty. Case or go to flat? <laughs> go to flat. <laughs> Sunrise or sunset? Or oh, sunset. I'm sleeping before. <laughs> FPV or POV? FPV. Clips or clipless? Clips. Oh, sorry, clipless. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. So that's confusing. Or, flats sorry, or clipless? Flats yeah, yeah, yeah. or clipless? Sorry, Dave wrote that one. <laughs> uh, Dick-sized nipples or nipple-sized dick? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait, I need to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Dick size one Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm, I'm trying to picture that. It's very confusing. Picture now. it. Take your time. Okay, what's the question again? <laughs> <laughs> so do you want a penis that's the size of a nipple or a nipple that's the size of a penis? Oh, come on. <laughs> Jeez, moto or mountain bike was easier than this. Okay, we'll come back to it. I think no. I'd be very sad either way. The which way? I'd be I'd be very disappointed either way. You gotta take yeah. one, Remy. Come on, this is this or that. You know the rules. Do you want dicks uh, flapping off? Nipples dick size. Nipples dick size. Okay, perfect. Good choice. Ride the white line or ride portal? Uh both are pretty uninteresting to me. <laughs> <laughs> me. God damn it. <laughs> okay. like, this is the gnarly white thing. line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're so scared when you knit it. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Red Bull Rampage or Urban Downhill Race? Rampage. Instagram or YouTube? Instagram is less work. Tacos or burritos? Burrito. DH bike or enduro bike? Enduro bike. Loam or pow? Pow. <laughs> Lift access or big pedal day? <laughs> Lift access. <laughs> no hander or backflip? Well, backflip are wake put up, but I can't do them very well. So. And finally, nose manual or regular manual? Nose manual. Well done, Randy. Well done. Man, real hang up on the dick size nipples. <laughs> I mean, most though. people I was, do. I was trying to picture it. And it got lost. And in I, the, got, in yeah, I got I got lost with, uh, you know, which one is what and in which <laughs> order and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Good job, though. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks for coming by, man. Thanks, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. It's good to see you in person. Yeah. Thank rather you. than on the phone. Yeah. We exactly. see you every day on the phone. Uh, I've seen you in the Whistler Bike Park, both of you, for the past what, 10 years. Yeah, true. And we're always doing something. We fist bump, say hey for two minutes, and, and then that's it. Exactly. But yeah. yeah no, it's good to have you on the pod. Thanks for having me.
Uh, we have some uh, housekeeping here. Thanks for listening yeah. mm-hmm. to the chuthers out there. Remy, are you a chuther now? Would you consider yourself a chuther? Okay, what is that? Well, the, our fans <laughs> of the Feeding Off Each Other podcast, we call them chuthers. Okay. Yeah, and we actually have it written up chuthers, there. Chuthers, okay. Yep. Oh, right there in the pink letters behind. Well, yeah, twist your neck. Oh, chuthers. Does that look okay. like chuthers to yeah, you or yeah. chuthers? Chuthers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, are you metaphorically full as well? I'm like, what's Metaphorically right? full. This is feeding off each other. You feel satisfied? Satiated? I feel, I feel satisfied. Good. Yeah. I think we covered some good stuff. That's what we want. Uh, leave us a review. Drop us a comment. And also leave us a speak pipe. Mm-hmm. Voicemails. Uh, just go to speakpipe.com slash feeding off each other. And hit that button. Just one simple button. You don't need to sign up. Leave us a voicemail. Remy, it would mean the world if you left us a voicemail. We would love it. I <laughs> will. I didn't know what was a speak pipe before, but I will. I am yes. curious please, to check it out. Please. And just... Talk shit, say something, whatever you want. Anything mm-hmm. goes. Leave us a question, ask for some advice, uh, motivation for Dave or something for his third ride. Anything. Yeah. Please, <laughs> please. Feedingoffeachother.com slash feeding off each other. And as always. Come on, Remy. Do the thing. each other now. Bye. Bye, people. Thank you for listening to Feeding Off Each Other. Please subscribe for more great podcasts.